What up, guys? Your boy Quake, and I'm back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. This is number 51, and a lot has happened these past few days. I kind of don't want to spoil anything, but this past Saturday, basically yesterday, but if you're hearing this two days ago, um, an artist stopped by, and we did an interview, and it turned out to be great. And um, I'm going to do a, before I release that interview, I'm going to do a What Happened To video on him, just because... I feel like the content's going to be better like that. So we're going to be editing the interview, all that. And uh, I'm excited for you guys to check this out. Somebody with a lot of history, somebody who's helped a lot of careers, who's been behind the scenes, in front of the cameras, behind it, whatever. And just overall, great person, great conversation. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing is I got an article written about Diverse Mentality, the podcast, everything that I do, which is dope. Uh, shout out to Devon. He wrote on ElevatorMag.com. The article is titled, Ace Hood Sampled, the same YouTube channel, T-Pain co-signed. So if you want to find that, just search that up, ElevatorMag.com, and that's the title of the article. It's Ace Hood Sampled, the same YouTube channel, T-Pain co-signed. I'm going to read a little bit of it, but I don't want to read the whole thing just so you guys can check it out and don't leave any spoilers. It starts out saying with over 560,000 subscribers and over 155 plus million total views, Diverse Mentality may be the landing page for the gossip of the music industry artists and their music, as well as real-time chronicle accounts of mainstream rap beefs. Between their depth, in-depth uh, What Happened To series and telling who really won rap beef segments, Diverse Mentality has told stories of and received co-signs from many of the industry's biggest artists and most storied careers of the last decade, including Rich Homie Kwan, Lloyd Banks, Mike Jones, and more. So that's it for like the little skip. I don't know. What is it? Like a, it's not a skim. It's like a, whatever it's called in the articles. I don't know. I forgot. It's like a little taste of what the article is. And then there's a lot more to it. And it's pretty dope. Uh, it basically just... Yeah, like if you guys don't know T-Pain, saw my What Happened T-Pain video, he shouted it out, said this dope video, man's went in, great detail, Mike Jones, love the video I made on him, Rich Homie Kwan used my voice for like one of his uh, album trailers, uh, Ace Hood used my voice for one of his mixtape intros when I did a What Happened To video on him, so just stuff like that, just overall, you know, how I've shifted uh, the culture in my way, um, enough talking about me, because it's enough, <laughs> I hate talking about myself and like what I did, it's just like I'm stroking my ego or something. So yeah, just go ahead and check it out if you guys are interested. And of course, follow me on Twitch. This past Friday, I think it was Saturday, Friday, I went on live to uh, react to music videos that came out, new music, all that. So it's twitch.tv forward slash Quake GW. I got nearly 50 subscribers on there. So to streaming twice, that's not bad. So I haven't really promoted it that much, but check it out. Um, I'll be on there every Friday. I'm going to try to be on there because that's when new music comes out. And then I'm going to try to be on there like sometime during the week, maybe Mondays, Tuesdays, weekends. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll figure out a schedule so that whenever I'm live, you guys will know a set schedule. I don't want to just do random times and stuff like that because I know a lot of people got a lot of things to do. So enough of that. First, for news, very unfortunate, um, a hip-hop photographer by the name of Chi Modu, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, has passed away at the age of 54. If you don't know, Uchi Madu is, um, he is a hip hop photographer and he's done a lot of legendary things and he shot photos of Tupac, like a lot of classic photos that you see 
is because of this guy. And we got to, of course, give props to the photographers because a lot of these photos that people frame and view iconic, these are the photos that these people shot. And these, without these people, they wouldn't exist. So that's why I want to send my condolences. And, you know, Dead F54 is very young. Uh, here's what the article says. Chimudu, the man behind hip-hop's most famous for photographs, has died at the age of 54. The tra tragic news was announced Saturday afternoon on his official Instagram. Our hearts are broken. We continue the fight, the post read, which listed the year of his birth and death. The, the family requests privacy at this time. The details surrounding his death, though, has not been revealed. The Nigerian-born, New Jersey-raised photographer graduated from Rutgers with an economics degree in 1989 and received a certificate in photojournalism slash documentary photography just three years later. According to the history makers, Madhu landed his first photography, photography gig with the Harlem-based New York Amsterdam News and went on to become the director of the photography for The Source, where he shot more than 30 covers, some of the most iconic images featuring Biggie, Snoop Dogg, LL Cool J, Mary J. Blige, Tupac, and later... Um, and later of the whom was subject of uncategorized in his 2016 book, Never Before Seen Photos of the Late Rapper. So there's a lot of photos, man. He, like if you go on his Instagram, his Instagram is C-H-I-M-O-D-U. And he always posts what, what he, you know, what he shot. And a lot of these are classics, man. Like these are legendary. If you really want, if you're like a hip hop head and you're into photography and you're into just dope shots, this is, I'm probably going to frame some of these in the office somewhere because that's how dope they are. So rest in peace to him, man. It's unfortunate. 54 is a very young age, definitely premature. And, um, you know, I'm sure he left just with those photos. He left a lot for his legacy and a lot of people can enjoy these. And even though if they don't know, you know, that he was behind it, it's still the fact that he shot them. They're out there. And I'm sure a lot of people have them on their walls and stuff like that. So rest in peace, Chimadu. By the way, I'm sweating bullets in this office. So I took a break quick. Oh my God, man. The temperature here is just horrible. Just imagine having headphones on all like, I might just take off my shirt in the middle of this video. So if I do, I apologize. <laughs> it is bad, like hot in here. Like it's been 90 degrees these past couple of days. And I don't know what they're doing in this office building. They're just not dealing with the temperature the right way. Anyways, continuing on, Lil Reese updated his fans that denied all the rumors of his eye going missing or getting shot at his eye, all that stuff. So what I reported on the last week, wasn't accurate information, which I still don't know how inaccurate things get out. Like, how does this even happen sometimes? I feel like it's just shitty journalism and people who just don't care. They just want clickbait, which, yeah. But he said on Instagram, he posted um, a caption saying, I'm good. I'm not blind or shit. Don't believe what you're seeing on the internet. I don't even know where the fuck they're getting all these fake ass stories from. And I agree, Lil Reese. I have no idea. It's fucking weird. And people need to stop. <laughs> Stop, man. Just for clout, just report the accurate things, guys. Come on, man. We're, we're, we're all adults here, I hope. I expect this behavior from, like, kids, man, just a troll. I don't expect this from grown-ass adults with articles and businesses and all these degrees. Come on. So that's good. That's good news for Larice. you know. Obviously, you're going to need eyesight is important, <laughs> of course. So um, this is a dope thing that just got released uh, that Nas is a part of, and it's basically a Showtime documentary series celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, which is coming up in 2023. They released a trailer for it, which is really dope. It just shows a bunch of hip-hop artists, and Nas in the trailer says um, 
they thought hip hop wouldn't last. You know, they clowned us all this. Now look, we're 50 years in, which is beautiful. Like, yeah, that's, that's crazy. A whole new genre that people hated initially. And we're like, this is just a fad. This is that. Look at it now, 50 years in, and it's still the newest genre. I can't think of any genre that's newer right now that's dominating or at least on mainstream radar. Who knows if we'll come up with something different down the line. But let's go over the article. Hip-hop's 50th anniversary is right around the corner, and there will be fest- festivities and celebrations in order for in order for the mon- mon- monument- why am I? monumous occasion. Momentous. Why am I saying monumous? What is going on? I'm tripping, man. The heat's killing me here. <laughs> Momentous occasion. Queen's legend Nas is planning on a special collaborative project with Mass Appeal Chief Director Sasha Jenkins in Showtime. On Wednesday, May 19th, Variety reported Nas and Jenkins are celebrating hip-hop's birthday with Hip Hop 50, a documentary series highlighting the culture's rich history and deep dive into the subculture's birth through the years. There are so many stories Nas told Variety. I am opening... I am, I'm opening up with this, but Hip Hop's 50 is a multi-tier initiative created by Mass Appeal in partnership with CBS Viacom. And we build this platform to ensure the anniversary of hip hop is celebrated in a real iconic way and that everybody should be involved with this. He continued, this is something that's coming up that we don't want to just pass by like it's small. This is the biggest birthday in the world. Okay, Nas, uh, you're going to see stories from every element of hip hop, whether it's street stories, whether it's emceeing, whether it is... Whatever it is, we want to celebrate it and push this birthday to the max. Sasha Jenkins distributed, attributed 1973, a hip hop's birth year, connected to the Jamaican dance hall sound system culture that legendary DJ Cool Herc adopted for his parties. 73 marks the party that Cool Herc threw for his sister in the basement of a building in the Bronx, and Jenkins added. 77 definitely put a battery in some people's backs. Who didn't have the equipment still? A little before people were out in parks. Proto hip hop was happening as early as 73. And that's what it's going to be coming around as 50th anniversary in 2023. So yeah, I, I love it. I hope it's a, a long series if that's what they're doing. I hope it's just not one long documentary, like two hours long. That's not going to cover enough of what happened in hip hop. And I hope they cover all the major stories, everything that's the people that impacted like crazy, like when they dropped or the people that had huge shift in culture. It'd be really interesting to see what, and it's also interesting to see what artists decide to join in on this. Like Nas said, everybody should join in. I think it's uh, just for hip-hop, man. It, shit, this might end some beefs with people, man. So I'm interested in seeing how they approach this as a documentary maker myself. Not on this level, obviously. But as I make documentaries, I take different approaches. I would love to see how they approach this. Are they going to do it in multiple parts? Is it going to be a docu-series? Is it just going to be a series? Um it being on Showtime, I definitely expect a docu-series. That's what I'm expecting. And I'm sure it's going to be like each part is going to be two hours and probably be like six parts, which I'm hyped for. As much as we can get, I'd appreciate. And it just educates people on hip-hop. There's going to be stuff for the newer generation to watch. There's going to be stuff for the older generation. Everything in between. There's probably going to be your favorite artists on there, my favorite, everybody's favorite. So why, you know, why not check it out? And especially because it's on a bigger platform like Showtime. I'm glad he didn't take this like BET or like MTV or something. So Showtime's a great, great platform to do this on. So yeah, go ahead and check it out. I don't know. There's no release date on this, but the anniversary is in, is in 2023. So I don't know if they're planning on waiting till then, or are they just announcing it and say, hey, we're going to have stuff down the line, 
or they're just waiting on people to show up and do their interviews. Uh, I wouldn't wait too long. I would try to get as much content because who knows, God forbid, who knows is going to pass. You know, we got DMX that passed, a lot of artists that are a huge part of hip hop that passed. And I don't think they should wait, or at least they should be working on it right now, getting as much artists to do interviews because God forbid, within those two years, there's going to be probably more artists that passed and that's going to really suck. So yeah, I get to it as quickly as possible. And if they want to release in 2023, that's what it is then. So go ahead and be on the lookout for that. That's why I wanted to talk about it because very interesting. Um, this is a crazy story too. XXXTentacion's brother is suing the late Look At Me rapper's mother. I don't know why they do that music title. But this is just um, Tentacion, of course, passing away. This is a bad case of people not handling his estate the right way. Um, I don't even know if he had a will. I believe he did have a will. Uh, handling of the trust he left at the time. Oh, let me go over the article. The three-year anniversary of Tentacion's passing is coming up next month. And his estate is receiving complaints about its handling of the trust he left at the time of his death, which was worth about $50 million. Yeah, you heard that right, $50 million. X's half-brother, Corey Pack, filed a lawsuit against X's mother, Cleopatra Bernard, last week, according to NBC6. Broward County court records show Pack's complaint targeting Bernard creating companies and other holdings to illegally transfer millions of dollars out of the estate into her own possession. If that's true, she is the mother of Natacion, and I I don't know. Does she is she deserving of that money? Can she take it for herself? Why not? I don't really see a problem with that as long as it's not being done in a way where it's affecting his estate. But I think I don't know. I don't know the behind the scenes, but I think the brother, the half-brother is getting kind of jealous that he's not getting really any of the money. Or maybe he does see something fraudulent. He doesn't like the way, um, I don't know if this is ex's mother or because it's a half-son, so I don't know if it's the same mother. I think it's a different mother, same father maybe. But, um, yeah, I, I, this is definitely, this is what I mean. Like when you pass, especially if you're big, I even saw this in Fat Joe's Drink Champs podcast interview. He said, once celebrities pass away, all hell breaks loose. All of a sudden, people come out of nowhere and say, hey, I loved this guy. I knew him. He would trust me with the money. This is what he would want to do. And, you know, obviously that goes wrong. As you guys can see, Big L's whole estate. And no documentary has ever been released for Big L, which is crazy because his estate has messed up so many things. And you can look at Easy e That estate got messed up. Uh, yeah, man, it's just... It's a shit show for a lot of people, unfortunately. And me personally, if I got to like a level like that where I was making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, immediately, immediately I would write a will and say, this is this, you know, obviously due to the circumstances, whatever happens, you know, this is where the money's going to go and this is how it's going to be distributed. And, and that's, 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 you know, I don't know if he did that though. It doesn't seem like he did. It was just a trust that was left and it is what it is. Uh, the article says the fraudulent transfer complaint seeks to recover assets being transferred from the pro probate estate by ex's mother clear bernard in order to deprive in order to deprive our client Corey pack of a recovery if he's successful in his efforts to secure his inheritance rights either under his late brother's trust or will let's see Corey pack and another sibling each reportedly secured a 25 percent stake and excess trust with Bernard taking half. 
the PAC hasn't had proper access to his funds. PAC's complaint is the is the third to be filed in the court systems regard. Oh, okay, so they got they so there's two siblings, each got twenty five percent, and then the mother got half. So yeah, if you own percentage, you got to see what's going on with the paperwork, and he has every right to sue. Apparently, money's being taken out by the mother, and he's not. She's not really sharing anything. Lawsuit also claims that a paternity agreement has complicated the trust's funds with ex's son, which I don't know how to pronounce the name, Guikimi, whatever, uh, being born seven months after his death. Yeah, so he does have a son. And that's that's a whole different ballpark. I don't know if maybe she's taking out money to make sure that money doesn't get stolen and she wants to save it for her and the son. I don't know. I don't know. This is just, yeah, this is messed up, man. The guy's the kid died at, what, 20, I think, and... And now, you know, 50 million, just, just like, I can't even, I didn't even think he was generating that much money. That's crazy. $50 million. He was only out like in the mainstream for like a year, year and a half. Just imagine if he was still alive, man, that would have probably been at like a hundred million. Just goes to show you don't know how much artists really have. Like I, I bet you before he died, if you search up XXXTentacion's net worth, which a lot of people do, unfortunately, at pocket watch, they'll probably say like $2 million. But look, he had 50 million, you know which is fucking crazy. So yeah, let's hope that gets resolved because money, man, really changes a lot of people in. Just do right by X, man. He definitely worked hard for the for the money and I'm sure he wanted it a certain way, but you can't get that information out the person, but you can do what's best and hopefully get everybody their little piece of what they want. Um, Jeremiah, man, he's getting into acting. So as you guys know, Jeremiah, uh, one of the best R&B, I think, hook writers and just writers in general. He's helped a lot of artists write records. And um, he was going through that COVID thing where he almost died. Thankfully, he didn't. He made it through. 50 decided to put him on Power Book 4, which is The Force, which is the show with Tommy. Apparently, he's getting a role in there, which is crazy because 50 is really starting to put on a lot of like rappers that don't really have a lot of acting roles or anything like that. So he's making it really hip-hop driven, which is dope. The article says 50 Cent's Power Universe just made another superstar addition to the cast from the music world. The Hollywood Reporter revealed on Friday, May 21st, that Jeremiah is set to have a role in Power Book 4, Force. Force is a spinoff led by jo- Joseph Sakura, 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 playing Tommy Egan, and is currently in production shooting in Chicago. It's expected to follow the second season of Power Book 2, Ghost, and Power Book 3, Raising Canaan which is centered around 50 Cent's character's roots. Jeremiah will be playing the role of Elijah, who reportedly is a high-ranking member of the CBI, but knows the drug game well and isn't afraid to mix it up and get involved. He'll do anything to prove his loyalty to the show's Samson's brothers. Um, yeah, he announced that he said, Greenlit Gang 50, we rolling, Jeremiah is lit. Flowrider is up next. You know the vibes. Okay, so he's trying to get Flo Rida now. In a, in a, I I don't know how I feel about this, guys. I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Just rappers, bunch of... If it's small roles, okay, cool. But I, I don't want this to be like a hip-hop you know, show. Literally, that's what it is. If you're going to put Jeremiah, Flo Rida, you got Snoop Dogg in one. You got, like, I don't want to see a bunch of rappers. You got Joey Badass in Power Book 2, which he killed. Um, so, yeah, just 50s kind of... Flow rider now is like, come on, man. I don't know. I hope they only get small roles because I don't want it to be like, yo, I'm watching Jeremiah and Flow Rider go at it like they're shooting each other. It's just it's gonna look corny to me, I think. I think it's gonna ruin 
I don't know. That's just me personally. I don't like to see a lot of people that I recognize in acting roles because sometimes the problem I have is I can't, I can't see them past what they are as like an artist, which is obviously not saying I want to box them in or anything and be like, yo, you can't act, but it's just hard to see behind, you know, like if they play a different character to me, I just see Jeremiah. I won't see whatever character he's playing unless what they did with Kendrick Lamar, which if you guys seen power and Kendrick did his debut acting in that with 50, that was dope as fuck. But what they did with Kendrick, and this is the, the, the thing that I hope they do with Jeremiah and Florida is have them dress up in a certain way where they're just not recognizable. Kendrick was recognizable. You can know it's Kendrick, but he was a homeless person in the, in the show. So he just looked crazy and off and it was very interesting. I really liked that. But you know, if that doesn't happen like that, and it just kind of looked like mob, and it's just like not much hair difference, not much, you know, clothes difference, kind of just the same type of shit. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to see past that. That's how I am when it comes to shows, especially when Fifty. When Fifty is acting, I was like, eh, you know, I can't, eh, I can't really take this shit serious. You know, sometimes he would play the role of like being a geek computer guy, and I guess that was a little bit decent, but. I don't know that. Yeah, it's it's very hard for me to see past that. So hopefully they do a great job. I don't know about Flow Rider. That's going to be another interesting angle. But yeah, we'll we'll keep our eyes open and see. Uh, definitely these power shows are probably going to be crazy, especially the the Kanan one and the Tommy this Force one. I'm excited about those two. Shout out to Warren G. Man, hip hop legend, decides to basically become a chef for the homeless in Los Angeles. So shout out to him, man. Round of applause to him. Um, doing great. Of course, I love to report on things like this because we need some positivity, man. It can't just be negative, negative, negative every single time. So let's go over the article. West Coast Hip Hop, Warren G, West Coast Hip Hop legend Warren G may have good fame, friends, and fortune around him, but he's still not giving back. But he's still not giving back to those in need. That's a, okay, this guy messed up the article. <laughs> but he's still not giving back to those in need. That's like, <laughs> He's supposed to say he's still giving back. Come on, man. I don't know why I even read these things like this. I got to show you guys this, unless they edit it by the time. But he's still not giving back. <laughs> the regular rapper was recently front and center inside Los Angeles' highly publicized Skid Row to dish out burgers, baked beans, and potato salad for from his own Sniffin' Griffin barbecue restaurant. Warren G. Patterned, partnered. Why am I messing up so many words today? Partnered with the Los Angeles Community Action Network and Polo's Pantry a local mobile food bank to effectively feed hundreds of displaced Americans. He said, I'm just happy to get the opportunity to really come down here and show my love. You know, it's so it's all good. and I'm going to continue doing it. Ain't going to stop. This ain't a one-time thing either. He went on Instagram. He said, we're out here on Skid Row feeding the community from 12 to 2. Pull up on us for a free meal. And he sent out the address. It's a lot of good people down here. You know, just look out for them. Wait. This is another probably problem. It's a lot of good people down here, you know. Just look at them like trash. There's people, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm really fucking up Bartles School. I really apologize, guys. I've been tired doing a lot of shit. But he's just basically saying there's a lot of good people out here. People look at them as trash. These are real people, you know. You have to open up and give them opportunities. So, yeah. Uh, it says in April, a federal judge ripped Los Angeles mayor Eric Garcetti and city officials for allowing the homeless population to fester. A week later, the city introduced 54 housing units between 
385 and 400 square feet as a part of a billion dollar pledge to end the solution once and for all. That is beautiful because things that I'm seeing in LA is crazy. They can't just like they're homeless. You can't just be like, yo, get the fuck out of here. Where are they going to go? They can go to a different area. And then you're going to say, get the fuck out of it. They can't just like they're part of this earth guys. Come on, let's take care of people. Let's try to help as much as we can. Obviously there's, there's people that might be addicted and it's harder to help them, but you know, do what you can, you know, try to, and maybe figure out programs for them. You know, that's what we need. That's where the money needs to be going, not wars and killing and everything that's happening in Palestine, Israel, all that. Like, come on, man. We can't be funding dumb things like this. It's just, it's ridiculous. So doing this, a billion dollar pledge to help the homeless is beautiful. That's what we need more of. And shout out to Warren G for doing his part in this. I really, really appreciate that, Warren. YG is also doing some good, though. He's giving away sneakers to uh, ex-felons. And these are like his sneakers that he partnered with. I believe a company they partnered with, maybe Puma or something. And he just handed them out for free because a lot of homeless people don't have shoes. So why not do that? This is what the article says. California hit king YG has turned into quite the acute businessman over the past few years. However, neither clout nor capitalism has shrewded his connection to the people scraping to get by. On Friday, May 21st, the rapper linked with TMZ to document his latest charitable act where he spoke to a group of ex-inmates staying at the Los Angeles Amenity Foundation house. And not just any inmates, the newly minted parolees have been given a second chance within the free world after being sentenced to life in prison. That's beautiful. Welcome home, YG said, greeting the man as his day ones pursued and a classic 45 passed out gifts. I pulled up to pass some shoes. I grew up out here in the streets and I feel like I just want to give back to the people. I want to shine some light on the people. I have my own brand. I'm going, I'm doing my own shoes. So it's only right. I let the community get some, some people love the community and the people welcome home. So shout out to YG, man. That's another beautiful thing, man. A round of applause to him. I love reading stories like this. I honestly, if I could just go through stories of positivity every single day, I would. But fortunately, that's not the world we live in. And, you know, I don't, I don't people are going to be like, yo, why is YG documenting this? Why is Warren G documenting this? Guys, who gives a fuck? As long as people are helping, if that's what they feel like they want to do, let them do it. As long as people are getting help, even if their intentions aren't pure, which I'm not saying what Warren or YGs aren't. I'm just saying, let people help, you know, whatever, whatever way they want to do it. As long as you're not hurting anybody or embarrassing anybody. And as long as those people like got consent and say, yo, it's okay to record then Yeah, cool. Soldier boy and bow. Wow. This is, <laughs> this is something else. So they've been basically kind of beefing just in a joking way about doing a versus together. And initially I believe it's supposed to be bow wow and Romeo and Romeo is like, he's not getting what he wants. So Soldier Boy and Bow Wow now are going at it. And last week, this is what the article says. Last July, Bow Wow made it clear he had no intentions on doing a versus with his on and off again rap buddy Soldier Boy. However, on Saturday, May 22nd, the Crank That rapper creator revealed the, the plans like minds can change and announced that they would be taking the digital thriller stage after all. Soldier Boy versus Bow Wow, hashtag versus. It's official. He tweeted before adding eyeball and fire emojis. A lethargic yet eager Bow Wow immediately went on live claiming, Instagram live claiming he FaceTimed Soldier Boy just last night for a practice run and the results were looking in his favor. The stream's Wi-Fi tapped out before he could get any more animated, but it looks like the rapper, the rap battle is done deal. 
versus co-creator Swiss Beach shares Soldier Boy's tweets his own Instagram story as well. While many fans celebrated the Scream tour nostalgia, others couldn't help but remember it was just a week ago when Romeo Miller laid into Bow Wow about ducking his versus challenge and even offered to throw some boxing gloves. Regarding this versus talk, I've given this man Bow Wow his roses since we were kids and even reached out multiple times to celebrate him in our era together in a creative way, Romeo Miller wrote on May 16th. I could put my pride to the side if it means doing something positive and bringing back nostalgia for a dope-ass generation. With the newfound rise of wacky celebrity boxing events in the era of social media and streaming, Romeo Miller says he's about to be about that action as well. Now, if you think this is some smoke, my brother, we could hit up Logan Paul and get on one of those boxing tickets, he continued. You know me in real life, bro. We aren't kids. Leave that for the fans. This ain't about competition for me. This is about showing the impact two young black kids had on the entire industry that's the win to inspire the next it's no limit you got my number hit me so clearly you know romeo's kind of butthurt it didn't happen with him but bow wow seemingly subtweeted the son of master p with a taunt but it appears his content he's content with his choice while three top 10 billboard hot 100 hits and millions of records ringtones bow wow is bringing plenty of single firepower to the versus table Soldier Boy, on the other hand, has pioneered countless trends and topics, more notably being the first artist to skyrocket on YouTube. Yes, he was. And counts the trailblazing cranked that Soldier Boy amongst his Baker dozens of Billboard Hot 100 hits. Robio Miller's happens to be former Guinness World Records thanks to his 2001 debut single, My Baby, which also happens to be his only Billboard Hot 100 hit peaking at number three that same year. Personally, I think I like Bow Wow versus Soldier Boy a lot more. I'm going to give you guys my opinion on who I think it's going to win. If we're talking about shifting the culture, which this isn't about, it's obviously Soldier Boy. He's done a lot more things. <laughs> I know a lot that the joke, the on running joke on social media is he's done everything first. He bought a car first. He's the first human to live on earth. Whatever, those jokes, I get it. But he did do a lot of things first. He When, when it was corny to go live on the internet, when there was like Ustream and all these other little live websites, I remember Soldier Boy was doing that consistently. I remember he uploaded on YouTube consistently and started making money from it. And, you know, now everybody's doing that, including me. So um, he's definitely the first artist to blow up. And yeah, he has a lot of hits, man. Let's go over the Billboard hits. I want to see comparison in terms of Billboard Hot 100 charting where he's at. And I'm going to go to Bow Wow's right now. Let's see. I'm curious to see if they're at the same, same amount or if they got more. So Soldier Boy has one number one hit, which is the Crank That Soldier Boy. That was number one in 2007. Then he has Kiss Me Through the Phone, which was number three. So he has two top 10 hits with Crank That and Kiss Me Through the Phone. Then he's got uh, a bunch of other ones. Turn My Swag On at number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100. Swing, which is Savage featuring Soldier Boy Tillum. This was at number 45. Pretty Boy Swag was at number 34. Soldier Girl was at number 32. Yeah, bitch. Yeah, was at number 48. I love that record. All the way turns up Roscoe Dash. That was at 46. LOL Smiley Face, Trey Song, Soldier Boy, that was at 51. Marco Polo, which was Bow Wow and Soldier Boy at number 66. So Soldier Boy has one number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 and one at number three, which is good. That's not bad at all. Let's go over Bow Wow, though. This is going to be interesting because I think Bow Wow has a lot more. I'd be surprised if he doesn't, honestly. Let's see. Oh, wow. So Bow Wow does not have a single number one hit. So Soldier Boy beats him there. But Bow Wow has three top 10 hits and not two. 
The highest one is Like You featuring Sierra. This was number three. Let Me Hold You with Omarion was number four. And Shorty Like Mine with Chris Brown was number nine. All those are fucking fire records. Then you got other ones, which is I Think They Like Me, Damn Franchise Boys, Jermaine Dupree Bow Wow, number 15. You got Fresh on Miz, number 23. You got I'm a Flirt, which I don't really count this one because it's technically R. Kelly's record, but they kind of just put Bow Wow and R. Kelly as the same person on the record, which is weird. But this, that peaked at number 12. Out of My System peaked at number 22, which I love. Bounce With Me peaked at number 20. Bow Wow, That's My Name peaked at number 21. JoJo featuring Bow Wow, Baby It's You peaked at number 22. Let's Get Down featuring Baby peaked at number 14. Girlfriend with Omarion peaked at number 33. So Bow Wow has... Does not have a number one on the Billboard Hot 100 like Soldier Boy, but he has a lot more records on the Billboard Hot 100, more longevity. So based off that, I think he's going to beat Soldier Boy. Now, I could be wrong, but just based off this list, and I, I want to know what you guys think, obviously. I think Bow Wow is more than equipped to do a Soldier, Soldier Boy versus. Now, Romeo, I'm curious to see what Romeo, I like his show on Nickelodeon, but I don't really remember him much as like an artist. I don't remember him having huge, huge impact as an artist. We'll see. Let's see. Hot 100, Hot 100. Does he not have a single chart on the Hot 100? Jesus. Where's Romeo, 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 Romeo? Lil Romeo. I'm, I'm going to put, man, I'm putting Lil Romeo. Why am I putting Romeo? Maybe Lil Romeo will show up. Billboard. Man, I hate Billboard's website. It's one of the worst when it comes to looking up artists and just chart history. Yeah, I can't find anything. Maybe you didn't have anything chart on the Hot 100. Let me just go on Wikipedia, even though this isn't the best and most accurate all the time. Let's see. My Baby, his record came out in 2001. Wow, this record peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm tripping. Little Romeo got some, got some, got some hits. Shit. Now, how consistent was it though? Dropped an album in 2001, Game Time in 2002. Let's see what this record, Two Way. Let's see what this record, uh, this record made it on the Hot R&B, 65. That might be the only one. Romeo Land. Yeah, this, these records aren't even, yeah. So he had one, yeah. Yeah, I like Soldier Boy versus Bow Wow a lot more. I definitely, that, I, that's a better battle than Romeo. I'm glad he, Bow Wow didn't do the Romeo one. I think I think Bow Wow even knows that, yeah, he didn't want to do that. <laughs> but, I mean, no no disrespect to Romeo, obviously. He has, his father's a legend. He, that Nickelodeon show, Nickelodeon show he had, I remember he used to watch that as a kid like crazy. So, he's up there. Alchemist. Now, Alchemist is a great producer, obviously. Uh, produced a lot of amazing records. But he did something kind of stupid, which was, not stupid, but it just it was done the wrong way because a fans are not going to find it. So basically, Alchemist has hidden an entire album on YouTube. Fans just have to find it. Now, this is kind of creative, right? You know, oh my God, like, you know, imagine if your favorite rapper just went under a different name on YouTube and just put out a whole album. You have to find it. That's obviously creative and dope and, you know, it's fun. Something different. But, what he, what he did is this, right? He put on Twitter, he said, we did a whole album on YouTube under a fake name and YouTube page. Fake album cover, song titles, the whole nine. Nobody found it yet. Now, 
How the fuck is somebody supposed to find that? Like, you know how hard it is to find unsigned talent that's like not putting in any views on YouTube, let alone somebody who started a whole new YouTube channel and just released like a 10 track. I'm sure it's got like one view on each, if that. What, what, what he should have done, this is what a smart person, well, I'm not calling him dumb, but I, yeah, let me take that back. What he should have done, which would have been better, is add a hint in there. Somewhere in the tag, put like alchemist or alchemist type beat or something dealing with alchemist so some way an alchemist fan can find it. If you just name everything different, who knows if anyone's ever going to find it? Nobody's going to find that shit. You know, how, you know how many people upload on YouTube every single day? The content is out there. Like, I, I don't even know. Let me look at the numbers. It's some crazy, like, 100,000 videos get uploaded per second. Um, let's see. I'm curious. How many YouTube videos get uploaded every day? Let's see. Five... 100 hours of videos are uploaded to YouTube every minute worldwide. That's 30,000 hours uploaded every hour and 720,000 hours uploaded every day. Come on, how the fuck is anybody supposed to find that? Especially if you named it completely something left field that nobody's going to know. Alchemist, I love the concept. I love the idea. It's something new. It's something creative. Something that can get fans excited. Shit, if my favorite rapper, 50, or whoever, like Pop Smoke, or I don't know, people, Nipsey, if Nipsey's team decided, hey, we want to do something completely different for you Nipsey fans. We want to do something where you guys can discover his album, his upcoming album, something like that. But they give little hints. You have to give hints. Nobody's going to find this. And I'm sure he's going to realize, he's probably going to keep this going for probably six more months. He's going to realize, damn, nobody found this shit. I got to give a hint. So, yeah, I... You know, it's a dope concept, but definitely not the right way of doing things. But shout out to Alchemist. That's a dope, uh, dope little thing that he's trying to do. Something different. You know, I appreciate anyone trying to do anything creative different. Album sales update. So, uh, J. Cole killed it. I was kind of disappointed in the numbers. I like the numbers, but I expected a little bit more. Of course, his album debuted at number one, the off season, at selling about 288,000 copies the first week. He did nearly 40,000 copies physical CDs. So he's still moving physical units. And then you got Nicki Minaj from a 2009 mixtape doing 79,000 copies, which is crazy. The fact that they can do a like an old-ass mixtape and still do numbers, that is beautiful. Then you got Moneybag Yo, pushed to number three with 57,000 against his pain. Then you got, let's see where um, DJ Khaled's at. DJ Khaled's at number eight with Khaled Khaled at 30,000. Pop Smoke is at number nine, still in the top 10, nearly a year later with 29,000 copies. You got a Rod Wave at Soulfly with number 11, 27,000 copies. The Weekend After Hours, number 13 with 27,000. Young Stoner Life, which is Young Thug's label group, whatever, is at 25,000 copies at number 14. Little Baby's at number 15 with My Turn, 23,000 copies. Juice World, Legends Never Die, is at number 17 with 21,000 copies. Kodak Black's album, I guess this is, debuted at number 19 with 20,000 copies, which is all right for Kodak Black. Um, Pushaisi Shaisi season at number 31. I'm sure this is going to go up because he just released the Spring Deluxe Edition. So this is at number 31 with 17,000 copies, but they're going to add that up and it's going to skyrocket probably in the top 10 next week. 
Lil Durk, The Voice at number 34 with 17,000 copies. Um, I'm disappointed in the, the J. Cole numbers. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I expect at least 400,000. This is amazing numbers, obviously, but for some reason, with that long of a wait and the, the, I don't know, it just felt like on social media, the anticipation was huge. And I don't know. I just expect a lot more. There's a funny, or not funny, but an interesting fact about J. Cole after he released this album, which I found online. I kind of want to make sure it's accurate. Um, is the first, they said he's the first artist to have all six of his albums debut at number one. All six of his, like, from number one to number six, debut at number one. Because I don't think Jay-Z's first album debuted at number one. So that's what I'm saying. Jay-Z did like 11. I don't think Eminem's first album debuted at number one. Um, there's a lot of artists whose first album is the first. Let's see. I just want to see this. Um, first album artist to have six number one. Let's see. Because I read this somewhere. I don't know where I read this at. And I don't know if this is true. I know Ludacris, Ludacris had like five, but I don't think his first album. Basically, what they're saying is J. Cole is the first artist, hip-hop artist or artist, period, to have his first official album, Cole World, The Sideline Story. Not no bullshit mixtape or something different that came out and was released publicly. His first official album, debuted at number one, and then up till now, he has every single album going to number one. So all the first six he released going to number one, which... I don't know if he's the first. It might be the first artist. Honestly, I was thinking like other artists like Michael Jackson, but when he was a kid, he dropped an album. I don't think it went number one. I don't know. There's a lot of statistics and numbers out there. I know DMX had his first five go to number one, but then the sixth one didn't go. So definitely beat DMX's record. I know Ludacris had, I got to make sure of Ludacris because I remember Ludacris having like fucking five at least. Oh yeah, Ludacris's first album didn't do. Yeah, so... Yeah, Ludacris' first album didn't perform well, but then the rest. So a lot of artists, their first album didn't perform well, and then they went on a streak and went number one, number one, number one. Like Jay-Z's Reasonable, uh, whatever, Reasonable Doubt, that didn't debut at number one. Let me see where it debuted. Maybe on the hip-hop charts, it debuted at number one, but like on the actual Billboard 200, it didn't debut at number one. Let's see where this actually went out. I'm really curious. Oh, I was at 23. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, so that's that's what the that's what this is is basically Jay Z's, I mean J Cole's albums all have gone number one from his first to his most recent, which is round of applause for J Cole. But I expect a bigger in sales. But I'm not disappointed. Obviously, you know, for him to do nearly three hundred thousand, that's beautiful. I just got done watching the Billboard Music Awards, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about the winners. Let's talk about what I just saw, and. Man, it was crazy. It was really, really crazy. I really enjoyed it. I usually don't enjoy music award shows because eh, they've been kind of bland. You know, a lot of the music has been kind of whack. That's been not the music itself, but like the performances have been kind of whack. But this was amazing. So let's go over the winners. First off, shouts out to Pop Smoke. He won, I think, the most awards that night. It might have been the weekend or Pop Smoke which I kind of predicted, I believe, back when we were talking about it. First off, top artist award, it was Drake, Juice World, Pop Smoke, Taylor Swift. The Weeknd won that. Top new artist, Pop Smoke won that. Top male artist, The Weeknd won that. So that's two for Weeknd, one for Pop Smoke. Top uh, Billboard 200 artist, Taylor Swift won that. Top Hot 100 artist, The Weeknd won that. So that's three for The Weeknd. 
top streaming songs artist Drake won that. Top song sales artist BTS won that. Top radio songs artist The Weeknd won that. Top R&B artist The Weeknd won that. So how much is that? One, two, three, four, five. So that's five. He might have beat um, Pop Smoke, but let's go over it. Top uh, R&B, I said The Weeknd. Top R&B male artist The Weeknd. So that's six. Top R&B female artist Doja Cat won that. Top rap artist Pop Smoke won that. It's two for him. Top rap male artist Pop Smoke won that. Top rap female artist Megan Thee Stallion won that. And let's go over a few other ones. This is crazy. Top rock artist Machine Gun Kelly won that. Shout out to Machine Gun Kelly, man. I want to talk briefly about Machine Gun Kelly. He's finding a lot of success in the rock world. The reviews for his rock album are amazing. To me, he was great as a rapper. I like the Hotel Diablo album, which was the last rap album he dropped. It was really good. But as a rock star, whatever, he's finding a lot more success. And he went up on stage and said, hey, I've been working on music for roughly 15 years. And this is the first major award I've won. He said, don't ever give up. Even when they try to box you in, it was a great speech. If you guys get a chance to check it out, go ahead and check it out. Somebody who's been kind of not getting recognized in hip hop to be getting recognized in rock is beautiful. Uh, he definitely deserves that. So I just want to say that about Machine Gun Kelly. Let's see here. What's the other one? Top Billboard 200 album. This is what I was looking at. Pop Smoke won that. And his mom came to talk about winning the award, talk about Pop Smoke, which was something he always wanted. He wanted his mom to be at an award show. I believe it was the Grammys, but for this, you know, it's still the same thing. Billboard to me is better than the Grammys. So she got to speak and it was beautiful. You know, it was very, very beautiful. Shoot for the stars, aim for the moon. It's still killing the charts. Rest in peace to Pop Smoke. I definitely appreciate the love that was being shown to him on this. Then top R&B album, The Weeknd After Hours. Top rap album, Pop Smoke One again. Shoot for the stars, aim for the moon. Top rock album, Machine Gun Kelly won that. So he got two awards on the rock section for Machine Gun Kelly, which was dope. Top Hot 100 song, The Weeknd won. Yeah, The Weeknd got more awards than uh, Pop Smoke. That's kind of expected. Top streaming song, The Baby won that with Rockstar. And what was crazy was when the baby went up there to go accept, accept the award, they played the wrong rock star song. They played the Post Malone rock star song instead of his rock star song. So that was a stupid mistake. Whoever's doing that is probably, whoever did that got fired probably that night. Uh, top radio song, Weekend Blinding Lights. Top R&B song, The Weekend Blinding Lights. So yeah, he got, I don't know how much awards he took home. It's crazy. I'm actually going to count this after this. Uh, top gospel song, Kanye West won. Wash Us in the Blood with Travis Scott, which is crazy. Out of everybody else, he won. Well, let me count how much The Weeknd won. Let me count how much Pop Smoke won. So let's see. Let's go over here. One, two, three, four, five, six, uh, Seven. Uh, eight. Nine. Ten. Ten awards. So Drake took home the most, I think, 13 in one night or 12. But he got 10 that night. That's crazy. Let's see how much possible. One. I believe it was four or five, one of those two. Uh, one. Two, three, 
four, five, yeah, five awards. I think, yep, five awards. Yep, so five. I was happy with that. I said at least if he gets, he got nominated for 10. If he at least gets half of that, I'm happy. So shout out to Pop Smoke. And then Drake won Artist of the Decade. And man, I want to go on a rant about this because this was beautiful. Um, he first pres- The first person that talked was one of Drake's homies that's been around him for a while. He basically said Drake wanted to introduce you know this award or just talk about this award with us on stage which was all of his friends and family the people that have been around him since day one which i always talk about his team is impeccable like it's it's perfection that's why he's had so much longevity everybody was there i don't i think only 40 maybe because he was working on the certified lover boy album he probably wasn't there but everybody everybody that's with, with drake his parents were there and then there comes this trailer or like this kind of video that Drake talks about himself and says, you know, nah, man, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're a Canadian artist. You sing on songs. You're not a real rapper. You're an actor. This, he basically talks about all the things that the people that were doubting him were saying, you know, you're from Canada. You know, all you do is cry on songs. Even if you get a co-sign from Lil Wayne, it's not going to work basically. And they even, even, highlighted the part where people talk about how he doesn't write his songs. Like if he, when he said, yo, he doesn't even write his own songs, it echoes so people can hear that clearly. Um, and people thought that was his downfall at that point when, when uh, Meek Mill revealed that. But he basically talks about all the hating and then he says, yo, can he do it again? Can he do it? You know how fans ask, oh, can he do it again? After proving over and over that can succeed. Fans always ask that, yo, can he do it again? Can he have a number one album again? Can he? He's like, he says again and again and he repeats that a lot. And then LeBron James narrates after that and basically talks about greatness and how it isn't all the hard, like all the long nights you work. And the perfect person to narrate that is LeBron because he's he's had longevity just like Drake in NBA. So it was beautifully done. It was perfect. Like I was I was insanely inspired. Like if, if you get a chance to watch that whole presentation on Billboard, please watch it. It's I'm sure it's available on YouTube. It'll be available immediately. And then Drake comes out, he brings out his son, which publicly like that, he's never been on, he's been on Instagram and videos. And then he gives the award to his son and then he just gives a great speech. And then he like, <laughs> his son's like in awe, like you should see his mouth. Like he was like, his mouth wide open, like, whoa, what is this? Like he was blown away. He was holding the award. And at the end he carries his son up and his son starts crying. So it was a beautiful man, beautiful, uh, acceptance of an award, um, yeah, man, that really motivated me. And, you know, it makes me be really appreciative of the people around me, the people that support me, um, you guys, the fans that watch, the team around me, Nino, Tafili, shout out to you, uh, my brother Vito, my sister, Diana, all, all everybody, man, Pardeep, um, Josh, who's video editing uh, a lot of my documentaries on my main channel. A lot of people, man, a lot of people played a vital role in my life in making things happened because you know a lot of these things can't happen just by one person it's impossible so i like that drake did that he brought everybody out and showed the world his team and like i said his team it's it's about your team that's longevity that's how you can execute and do things and stay strong and you know um and keep level-headed too man they keep you in check real people around you will keep you in check if you mess up and i like the way drake did that man it really it really made me appreciate him a lot more. I know I clown him here and there on some things, you know, but 
yeah, man, it was beautiful. You get a chance to check it out. That's my that's my response right after watching it, which was crazy. So, yeah, it was a beautiful award show. Check out all the other events. Let's talk about the new music that came out. Uh, first, Lil Baby and Lil Durk have completed their collab album. They pushed it back for DMX. They are now releasing it on June 4th, which is the next Friday. Not this Friday, the next one. I'm hyped for that. Let's talk about the new music that came out. Pooh Shiesty dropped Shiesty Season Spring Deluxe. He dropped four extra tracks on it. I loved all four of them. Go ahead and check it out. It was dope. 42 Doug dropped Freedom Boys. I didn't check out. I only checked out the future track. I saw the music video to it. It was crazy because 42 Doug is like five foot one, and it looks like Future's kid in the video because Future's tall. So, yeah. <laughs> no no shots at anybody. I'm sure. I'm just saying it just... A lot of these artists, like, it looks like the camera's, like, panned in a certain way. It makes them look larger than life. Then you see them in person. It's like, what the hell? They're really, really small. So, shout out to 42 Doug. I haven't checked out the full album, but I'm sure it's good. YG and Mousy, I believe I'm pronouncing his name right, Community Service album. They dropped a collab album. The first track, Gangsta, is a sample of 50 Cent's Wangsta, and they fucking kill it. Beautifully done. YG is spitting like crazy. Even Mousy is spitting like crazy. I love that track, man. I love the homage to 50. I'm sure he's enjoying it, too. It was a very well-done track. Polo G and Lil Wayne drop a Gang Gang, the single. Lil Wayne actually does well, which is not surprising, but uh, rare nowadays. He does really good on the track. He doesn't just rap about pussy and skateboarding, which was perfect. Birdman, Stunna Man track gets dropped with Rowdy Rich and Lil Wayne. This is where Lil Wayne does a little bit bad again. Um, Lil Baby and Kirk Flankman drop We Win, which is... Uh, track off the Space Jam 2 soundtrack, which was dope. Young and May dropped the Off the Yak album, which was dope. Go ahead and check out all of those projects. And I'm sure I'm missing something because there's always music coming out. But like I said, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. I hope you guys are having an amazing night, day. Whenever you're listening to this, I appreciate the support always. We finally got another artist in here. So can't wait to drop that interview on you with you guys and stay tuned. There's a lot more coming. Stay tuned. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Pocket Casts, all those beautiful platforms, audio version, video. Go ahead and check us out on YouTube. Highlights, you know what it is. I know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. Thank you guys for listening and have an amazing night, day, whatever. Peace. <laughs>